Hey, this is Erin from Bitch Talk. We're revisiting our Anthony Bourdain crawls that took place a year ago. Um, we thought this was timely because of his first anniversary of his death. Um, in Bourdain crawl number one, we go to Red's Java House. We visit with our friend of the show, Liam Maklem, at Tadich Grill. And then we end up at the Buddha Bar in Chinatown with another friend of the show, Kelda McKinney. Enjoy. San Francisco. If you don't like this place, if you don't think it's as awesome as I think it is, then there's something hopelessly wrong with you. Welcome to Bitch Talk. Booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Captain Party. Hi. It's, Welcome. Uh, Captain Party number two over there, Char. How did I become Captain Party? I don't know. Party it just fit. Two. It just really fit. Um, okay. <laughs> we are doing a little tribute, part one and two, to. Uh, I'm just going to say he's a friend of the show, <laughs> Anthony Bourdain, someone that's really close to our hearts. Our hero, one right. of my favorite people. I wouldn't even say celebrity. That's not the right word for him. No. He's something more. Yeah. Iconic we'll f- figures we'll of. We'll figure it out. The saint? I don't know. <laughs> I know he wasn't a saint, but that's what makes him more saintier. That doesn't make sense. Uh, we are kind of doing our own little restaurant pub crawl I'm in honor. I'm calling it a Bourdain crawl. The Bourdain Crawl. That's what I've been calling We're it, We're going to start marketing yeah. it, too. I mean, he'll totally be down with this. Duh. Um, but so we're starting at one of the places he loved and um, shot for no reservations, Red's Java House, which, by the way, opened in 1930 and was called Franco's Lunch at the time. Duh. And it served longshoremen, and their breakfast special was a double cheeseburger and beer. So, yes. Duh. Duh. <laughs> um, so, uh, that's a very quintessentially San Francisco thing. You mean double cheeseburger and a... Bre- a beer for breakfast. Well, yeah, the yeah. origins of San Francisco. Right. Um, Maybe not today so much with the kale influx and the techies. Yeah, but and vegans. <laughs> yeah, vegans. And anyways. Um, but yeah, that spirit has maintained since the 30s. Yeah. And this place is pretty much as... Uh, Local and, and grimy as it gets, in a good way. In a very good way, <laughs> and it has a great view. We're right, we're right under basically the Bay Bridge. It's really pretty day here. It's just really windy. We were trying to like capture the outdoor spirit of Reds, and we're like, it's a little windy for us today. Which is part of the outdoor spirit, but yeah. not good for filming or for mics. <laughs> so, but um, what? Um, oh, sorry. No, go for it. Well, what? Uh, Bourdain, he was here uh, for oh. no reservations, yeah. and he called it a wonderful old school. High fat, high protein, <laughs> beer for breakfast kind of place. And uh, that's why it was close to his heart. Yeah. And also he said for the insiders of, of the food world, it's the antidote to Alice Waters, who was is the founder of Chez Panisse, which is across the bay over in Berkeley. So you can Google that and see what that means. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. He, you know, he was uh, he was kind of witty and snarky, just, just the way I like it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to start here. We have a couple more places on our list today and we're really trying to keep it classy because Char likes that and um, classy I didn't sign up for that yeah we have to keep it above board today. I did not sign up for that Char since when did I always say it has to be classy because you said it, the last time we got real excited and probably drank a little too much you had a hard time editing it well, <laughs> and it was that, a real long intro <laughs> well, that, well that's different but that this was post a lot of action and excitement this is like in the midst of the drinking and the that's eating funny. so that's going to be different right yeah no the, the, like this is like it's meant we're we're crawling we're doing a Bourdain crawl you know right. to honor 
the man, right? Yeah. He wasn't classy. Uh, that that uh <laughs> that could be sometimes. I mean, have you seen him in a tux? That intro Did we you were see him in a tux? That intro we were supposed to be uh introing a event about <laughs> death and we were <laughs> <laughs> It was late and we were <laughs> tired and it was a long day. There was a lot of emotions that day. A we lot. Cri- we both had cried twice that day. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh by now I I'm not necessarily crying upset over Bourdain but still heartbroken uh, and so still definitely affected and um, I don't think it's hit me quite yet it's only been a week I, well that's I guess that was the first thing that I was going to say is um, when you found out how were you because I know how you usually are emotionally <laughs> oh Aaron she's speaking to Aaron for those of you that can't so see. I'm not <laughs> I don't feel good about talking about it just yet okay <laughs> okay okay what about and you? Well, <laughs> I was a fucking mess. I got a text from our friend. I woke up at like six something oh. uh, to oh, a yeah. text that's that also, he had passed. That's also the thing, too. Our friend Annika, who's been on this show, Jeff Hunt sitting over there in the corner from Story to San Francisco. He got a text. I don't even know what time it was. And I heard his phone go off. And I'm like, who's texting you? He's like, I don't know. I didn't turn my phone off. But it ended up being Annika, our roommate, who's been on the show before. She's a filmmaker. And I guess she got woken up by a text from her friend. She's like, I didn't know what to do. So I just started texting everyone. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, uh, I'm kind of glad we didn't look right at that That's time. I was... Well, I was counting throughout the day the amount of people that had texted me about it. I think I reached like 12 to 14 different people that had texted me about it. I woke up, uh, yeah, like, you know, like the internal clock woke me up at like five, five Uh something, between five and six or something like that. I woke up and I looked at my phone and I saw the news and it's like there was like a bunch of people that I immediately wanted to talk to about it. And you two were on top of that list to like let know and I'm like. Dude, it's five o'clock in the morning. I can't be texting all these wow. people. Annika, so, I, so yeah. I, I waited a few hours, and then I, then I think I waited till like I think I got to you guys like about eight or nine, and I was just like, well, at least you guys have the. No, I had been in memory, depression so. for it long before you texted. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I had to keep like my sunglasses on for a minute for the first few hours of the day because I had to go out into the public. And just kind of try not to think about it, you know. But then I kept getting texts about it. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to hide my phone now. Yeah, I think and you, then, you um, texted me later on and you were like, send me pictures and cheer me up. Yeah, we had just done an interview with uh, Bo Burnham, which is coming soon to you. And he was incredible. And Chardon sent me a picture of that. So I was like, send me a picture of that so I can remember that interview. That was a good time. And he was a, a real sweetheart. So I just uh, needed th- something to cheer me up. <laughs> I think it's hard, too. We live in San Francisco. And Bourdain loved San Francisco yeah. as much as we do. Um, so there's reminders every day. He did. He called, in fact, he called it a two-fisted drinking town, dirty <laughs> and nasty and wonderful. Anyone who doesn't have a great time in SF is pretty much dead to me. So <laughs> there <Ditto>. you go. <laughs> um, well, I mean, well, all three of us are travelers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming, I just assume that everybody does what I do is, you know, you go into like a new land, you're going somewhere different and you find out if Anthony Bourdain has been there and you try to find all the good spots that he recommended. <laughs> yep. And um, like for me, I mean, like the majority of my Singapore trip was uh, based on a, like we were actually on our flight to Singapore from Manila. Oh, yeah. And a cool trip to Singapore. We um, we watched um, 
we watched the episode of uh, the layover in Singapore. Yes. On the way there, and then it was there that like on the way that they, my brother and my cousin had already seen the episode. It was the first time I had seen it, and uh, they basically all had their places that we were gonna go. And then I was just like, of all the things I've seen there, we're going, and we, you know, like, and so you know our. I, the way, like, the my in my little, you know, uh, social media tribute to him, I was like, thank you for helping me experience the world. Because that's mm-hmm. kind of what he did. It's like, when we, mm-hmm. when I would go places, I am, you know, nine times out of ten looking for at least one spot that he's been to that came off of something he recommended or something. Right. You know, some dirty hole that, you know, you right. never would have thought to go to. Well, and the, and the thing is, it wasn't with him always about the best food, which, of course, that's part of it. But it's also like a feel or certain sort of something about that place that uh, gives you a taste of the culture of the people. Because I've seen, especially after he passed, um, there have been all these like, oh, Anthony Bourdain's favorite places in San Francisco. And there have been comments underneath like, what? Why didn't he go here and here and here? And it's just like... You, it wasn't all about the four star no, or even, even the best food, right. but something about that food that, that speaks to San well, Francisco storytelling, and its roots. Historical, yeah. And, and that's why I, I wouldn't normally just follow any famous chef or whatever's list, but f- for him, I would, because it's something more than just the best food. There's something deeper there. Oh, no, that's a total experience. Yeah. It's a total yeah. lifestyle, culture exposure. Which is reds, for sure. I mean, yeah. like, well, look <laughs> we're, at our, we're in it right now. Our <laughs> list, the list that you guys have pared down for the because <laughs> it was hard there's 30 <laughs> by the, the way was it 30 really it's 30 places sorry uh, yeah we didn't do all 30 because i was like there's just there's no, no we're way doing, we're doing a highlight reel some yes. of our favorites but also yes. based on his feelings about but, the place well and what's great is like those of the four four to six that we had i was just like those are like my 25 year old 26 year old me <laughs> memories yeah. if anybody knows you know 28 year old like holy crap how did i survive life right. <laughs> type memories in in those places and it's just like oh man we're gonna go to some fun places that i haven't been to in years yeah, yeah. I'm excited for. yeah exactly so uh join us on our romp today uh the bourdain crawl through san francisco and we'll see you at tattage grill we are at the tattage grill the original cold day restaurant they've been here for 169 years and we're sitting here with an old friend i shouldn't say old really yeah, less, uh, of, uh, less of the old please darling okay um, um how do i say this a long-term friend thank you a, a long-time yeah. friend uh i started my career in uh communications and tv with this man his name is liam maklem oh my lord oh By my way, god he's getting we, we interrupt this broadcast to be anointed He's getting, he's getting bibbed as we speak. I'm having my bib put on because at the Tadich, uh, a time-honored tradition here uh, is to come enjoy the Chipino, uh, wear a bib, get messy, and, you know, just do what they do here. Thank you, sir. It's cute. Yeah. I'm going to take a picture of you. Institution. I should be in an institution. Well, I, well, I am. This is one. This is uh, one. Erin, um, let, let me just say this yes. before you ask the questions. Yes. It's an honor. Oh. Finally, after... Yeah. 290 plus f- episodes. 80 something. You finally got to me. Good yeah. to know where I am on the totem pole. Good um, to know uh, that you love me so much and so dearly that you've waited 280 plus uh, episodes to come see me. It's okay. I'm not bitter about it at all. But I, I knew this was going to happen. Um, <laughs> but this is for a special occasion. It is And indeed. I think maybe we waited the song because of this occasion. Can it we raise a glass? Of course. To start and say slancha, which is what the Irish say. And, you know, I'm of Irish descent. 
So sláinte to you guys. Cheers for being here today with me. Cheers. Um, I'll start this little story off, and then I want you to s- tell all of your stories and really tell the audience how you knew Anthony Bourdain. But the first time I saw Anthony Bourdain was over in Oakland at the Paramount. And before I got there with a friend of mine, I saw that you were posting photos from inside the limo that you guys were riding around town. <laughs> That's right. And man, I was bitter. So yeah. let's just <laughs> uh, yeah. bitter on bitter here. Bitter on bitter. But um, can you talk about your relationship with Anthony and also after that, yeah. talk about his influence on food in San Francisco and how that's come into your life? Absolutely. Well, first, uh, as you mentioned his name, I get, yeah, I'm getting a I get goosebumps. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Bourdain uh, insisted that you called him Tony uh, if you were you know, not on television or, or not broadcasting. And I first met him. Uh, well, I interviewed him uh, on Cron 4 uh, when his first book came out in 2001, I think it was, Kitchen Confidential. Uh, it was the, thank you, uh, the calamari just arrived, folks. Yeah. Look at that, that tastes Perfect. so good. Yeah. Anthony Bourdain hadn't done much television. In fact, his interview on Crown with me was his second ever live interview wow. uh, on television. He was very wow. nervous and uh, apprehensive, uh, but he knew he had a good book. Uh, and at first, when I first met him, I wasn't sure if I was gonna like him. He seemed a little full of himself. He's a little uh, gruff. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then very quickly, uh, I saw the humanity in him when he said, I have to tell you, I'm a little nervous about this. And he went from being tall, intimidating, uh, you know, that hard sort of rough around the edges New Yorker, uh, quickly evaporated. And I saw, uh, I saw the kindness in him pretty quickly. Uh, it's tough to talk about him because it's hard to believe that he's gone. Yeah. So um, when he came to San Francisco, he always uh, I always made a point of seeking him out. He wasn't calling me saying, hey, Liam, I'm coming to San Francisco <laughs> tomorrow. But we had a mutual friend. We have a mutual friend, Chef Roland Passot, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, who owns La Folie and Left Bank uh, mm-hmm. Brasseries. And he adored Roland. And so every time uh, Tony came to town, uh, we would always meet up. We would have drinks. I'd go wherever he was. He asked me to introduce him on stage at the Fox Theater in Oakland for his first tour. Uh, and his, again, uh, I saw a very sweet side to Tony Bourdain that day. He was pacing up and down backstage. He seemed a little nervous. Wickedly nervous. Yeah. And I said, Tony, stop pacing. He goes, I- I've got to, I've got to. It's the only way I can get through this. I said, well... Do me a favor and have a beer with me, will you? I said, because you're making me nervous. He goes, <laughs> I, I can't drink right before this. We'll, we'll drink after. I said, I'm having a beer. So as he heard the sound of the can opening, he said, okay, give me one. So we had a beer <laughs> together backstage, uh, and he stopped pacing. Uh, and we just had a good, a good you know, conversation. And uh, he just had his first daughter at that point. Uh, I think she was maybe one year, one or two years old. She was young, and he was excited about being a new dad. He'd just given up smoking as well. That's the, wow. the reason, therefore, for his, um, his pacing up and down. Uh, but to answer your question, Aaron, you asked about... Um, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was long. Yeah. Um, just, uh, you're a foodie guy. You, you yeah. do a show called Foodie Chap yeah. on KCBS. Yeah, I'm definitely more of a chap than a guy. Well, but Foodie Chap. And yeah. um, you talk about food all the time. Tony talked about food all the time, especially in San Francisco. Yeah. What was his influence on how you view food in San Francisco or vice versa? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, 
he had a huge influence on me uh, as a broadcaster uh, and someone who for the last 15 years of my life I focused on food and uh, wine travel uh, he had the gig I wanted right and yeah. I was doing similar things on a local level what I loved about Tony Bourdain Anthony Bourdain was that he he broke the wall uh, he rewrote the the TV manual for the TV host None of his shows began with him saying, hello, good evening, tonight on the show, all the things I did, he wasn't doing uh, because he tore up the playbook. There was no playbook for him, no manual for him. It was him being real, raw, authentic, interacting with people, sharing his passion for food, for culture, uh, and for bringing that to the world. He traveled the world, going to places that many people were too afraid to venture to, uh, be it the Congo. Right, uh, I love that episode. Mm -hmm. Be it Iran. Uh, he showed the underbelly of every place he visited. He tasted the food no one else dared to. He gave a voice and shone a light on the underdogs, the underserved. And um So having met him basically in the beginning of his career as we knew it, did you, and, 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 and being friends with him throughout, did you feel the effects that fame and, and his celebrity had on him and, and was taking a toll on him? You know, here's the deal. Um, he could be a, a, a bit of a prickly character, uh, but he was always gracious with people he interacted with. Uh, I was at his side for his book signing when he was last uh, in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, a year and a half ago. At the Tonga Room. The we Tonga saw you room. there. You we, were there. That's when that's I right. met him the that's only right. time. Absolutely. I tried to get him to go to the bar with me, but it didn't yeah. work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I have to say, um, I saw him once more after that. But I remember on that occasion thinking, my, look what's here. It's the Japino. It's the Japino. My friend, Famous. Tell, me, tell me what's in the Japino. Uh, it's a seafood stew, tomato base with garlic. We got a lot of uh, crab meat, shrimp meat, uh, halibut. Uh, mussels, clams, prawns, scallops, mm. you name it. Well, listen, this is the perfect, perfect dish to have any day, San Francisco, but especially on those foggy days, you want to warm your tummy, uh, warm your soul, this is the dish to have. It smells heavenly. It looks good enough to eat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with some garlic bread. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, sorry about that, a little uh, no, Chipino okay. interruption. Th no, it's, it's okay fine. when you get interrupted by Chipino. Yeah. Uh, so Tonga Room. Tonga Room. I remember Tony. Uh, I think fine, yeah. they, they may dip some bread and, yeah, and welcome. I want absolutely welcome to. Uh, I remember thinking when I saw him, uh, I knew that uh, the last couple of years Tony had been, uh, Anthony Bourdain had been doing judo. Uh, and he just got his black belt certification. He was pretty proud about that. But he looked tired. And my first mm -hmm. thing I said to him was, how you doing? Really, how you doing? And uh, he said, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm really freaking tired. And I could see it. I could see it in his eyes. And uh, I, I just saw a different side of him. He can often be reserved. He can often pull back a little bit. He can often come across as a little chilly to people. But he had a big heart. I mean, in terms of uh, you know, the, 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 the time he gave people who would otherwise not have, not have champions. In terms of you know, kitchen workers... He mm -hmm. was a fighter for uh, equal pay, uh, the Me Too movement. I mean, he was always thinking about uh, the underserved, the underdogs. Uh, but 
on that last occasion he was he was tired. Usually we would have a drink after an event right, like that. Yeah. And I said, Hey, do you wanna come with me and Roland? Let's go let's go and have a couple of pops. He said he said, you know, I usually would. He said, I've just I, I just wanna go to my room. I said, No worries. No worries. Um but I could tell that uh, he said the schedule was brutal. Um he said, I'm really proud of what we're doing right now. He goes, But it's it, it's killing me, you know. In a sort of Right. Yeah. Uh, as you would say, yeah. I, I would say things like that sometimes when I travel a lot. I'm like, oh, schedule's brutal, but I'm loving what I'm doing. He loved what he did. Uh, he loved meeting new people. He loved going to new cities. He loved revisiting cities he'd been to before. Exactly. San Francisco is one of them. Oh, yeah, and telling yeah. a different story. Right. And every time he came to a different city, if he returned, he always found something new to share, yes. something new to report on. Uh, but... You know, is a guy who shared his passion uh, with the world. Right. We're going to let you eat your chipino. Oh, really? The famous Tadich grilled chipino. I get to eat. But I want to thank you for your time and for yeah. your stories. It's really special. No, of and course. I know you were you were a real connector to Tony. I think at least in my world, I'm yeah. like, okay, well Liam knows him, so he's yeah. totally cool. No, um, well, and if I can say one more yeah. one, one more thing about him, um, a lot of Americans. Uh, by the way, his show is broadcast all over the world but I think he inspired people to travel mm -hmm. inspired people to get passports who would otherwise perhaps not uh, he inspired people you know to venture uh, beyond their comfort zone uh, and I know that when many of my friends traveled me too you know when I went to Taiwan I sought out the things that he sought out I remember going back to Hawaii after his first show from Oahu and I went down that alley looking for that little late night dive where all the chefs go. Uh, and then here in San Francisco, you know, the places I've loved for years, he loved too. So you at Lee, you know, yeah. late night eats, mm -hmm. great Chinese cuisine on the edge of Chinatown on Broadway. Um, the Tadich. Mm -hmm. um, I know he was also a fan of Swan Oysters. He went there yep. a couple of times with Roland. Uh, thank you, Tony Bourdain, for the gift of you and for sharing your love and your passion. Um, for food and culture. Yeah. Thank you, Liam. Super excited about our new sponsor, Lola, a modern approach to feminine care. Shar, I have to let you know that when we started talking with our uh, media sponsor, this was one of my top products to partner with. I kind of remember that. Now, I, now that they're officially on board, I can't wait to... Hear what you and Ange are going to have to say about well, this in the coming weeks. Well, I did give Ange, our co-host, uh, a bag of Lola, <laughs> if you will, at the BART station. It you wasn't just, dirty at all. You did a handoff? I did. I did a handoff. I did give Ange a bag of Lola, but um, I have been eyeing Lola, sounds weird, for a while. Um, they are uh, founded by women for women. They are products that are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. Lola also does good with your purchase. For every purchase, they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. Um, it's a timely sponsorship because guess who's getting their period this week? It is me, Erin. Like, it couldn't literally have come at a better time. <laughs> 
<laughs> what? I mean, hey, I got to try the product out. What do you want? I guess that's a way to try it out. You yeah. You need to have something. Amp Flow's got to come. I got to use something. <laughs> so I'm going to use Lola for the first time, and I'm super stoked. So guess what, listeners? Uh, you can get 40% off all subscriptions. All you have to do is visit MyLola, that's M-Y-L-O-L-A.com, and enter in BITCH, B-I-T-C-H, when you subscribe. One more time, for 40% off of all subscriptions, visit MyLola, that's M-Y-L-O-L-A dot com, and enter the word bitch, B-I-T-C-H, when you subscribe. That is fucking awesome. So please, subscribe to Lola, get your tampons and whatever else you need shipped to your house, your office, wherever you are located, and uh, you're free to go. Hello, guys. Welcome to our third location for the Bourdain Crawl. We are at the official Buddha Bar in Chinatown, the one and only Chinatown, San Francisco. What I love about our crawl so far, Aaron, maybe you can agree with me, is uh, we started off uh, at the pier, uh, which catered to the the shipyards, the sailors that came into the bay. Our our second stop was at Tadich Grill, which really catered to the 1850s gold rush. Yes. Um, And and we didn't really get to talk about that, but there was uh, a hash, a hangtown fry, Oh yeah, which is an omelet, the, yes. the bacon and oyster omelet that, that Bourdain loved at Tadich Grill. Yeah. And that he said helped it should be illegal. Absolutely with a martini yeah. for breakfast. And um, that really fed uh, the the whole gold rush crowd. Uh, so we went from the longshoremen to the gold rush and now we're in Chinatown, which in San Francisco, uh, they they really helped shape the city and turn it into what it is today, and continue to be a huge effect on the city in a beautiful way. Yeah. So I um, I love how well rounded we've been so far. I'm kind of proud of us. Well, I mean, we have to be really proud of Anthony Bourdain. I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm proud of us. He's really he's really he's the one guiding. that brought us out here. And he's guiding the tour. He, he's with us. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And. Um, Liam was incredible. I want to thank again Liam uh, thank for that sharing his whole story. conversation. We were kind of just sitting and listening. It was yeah. really story time. Yep. There, there was that was that was his his part of the, the show. But right. yeah, now we're at the Buddha Bar, which Cordain uh, had a had a good time here. Uh, a big part of this bar is it's very hole in the wall. Uh, oh. you, you sit at the bar, you play liars dice, you bet your drink. You, you bet against the bartender for you for the price of your drink, right? And it's just a down and dirty hole in the wall. Yeah, just like us. Um, <laughs> not hole in the wall, but down and dirty hole. We can end it there. Right. And I, I also have to say that this has been a really fun crawl because we've brought a lot of people with us, right? We have some stragglers so, along the way. Absolutely. Oh, I would say fun guests and is that a that bad word, straggler? I thought maybe. that's a good word. I'm a straggler. You are, you're always a straggler. Um, Whatever. Anyway. Is that a bad word? Jeff All Hunt right. from Story San Francisco came along for the ride. We met up with Liam Maklum. And then we have someone named Keldon McKinney, who I used to work with so many years ago. Not really. Um, in a different life, in our, in our movie lives, film lives. But also, she had no idea. She texted me this week. She's been a really big fan of, of Bourdain as well. And he's kind of led her through her journey of travel and culture and she was like, we should go to a House of Prime Rib and celebrate Bourdain. And I'm like, 
Well, House of Prime Rib was on our initial list, but it's a little expensive for a big crew of ours. Balling on a budget. Yeah, we're balling on a budget. So we're going to do this restaurant pub crawl. If you want to come along, come along. And she's here, so we're going to welcome Kelda McKinney, who's also a friend of the show and a supporter of the show. She was at the 100th uh, show that was our first live show at at the the Hemlock a few years ago. And she's a supporter. So, Kelda, talk about Bourdain and what he means to your life. Well, first off, we're still going to House of Prime Rib. It's going to happen down the road. It may not be happening tonight, but we're doing it (laughs) because I need my meat. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, I've been traveling for, I don't know, like 15 years now on and off. I take a couple years off and then I always just get that travel bug and I need to go out somewhere. And a few years back, I was going to Tanzania. I just booked a flight on the whim. I found a really good, good price and I said, fuck it, I'm going. Can I pause for a second? Yeah. So Kelda and I shared a wall, and so we would just either yell at each other, call each other, or I am each other, like, come here, whatever, whatever. I remember very distinctly when Kelda booked this Tanzania trip, and I was like, whoa. It's very Bourdain-esque. And she's like, I'm going. I'm going by myself. I I don't give two shits. And then she did. Yeah, and it was amazing. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I think I didn't even have a safari booked until a week before, and it was because I had a friend who had gone on a South African trip and met a woman who then ended up meeting a dude in Tanzania, and they became a couple, and then they found, then they decided to start an Airbnb, and I w- she connected me with them, so I stayed with her, and then from her, it was that was how I figured out where I was going for the safari. I'm still in touch with my safari guide. His name's Luca. He's amazing. He like sends me cheetah photos all the time because he knows that cheetahs are my favorite animal. But like, it was an amazing experience just going by myself. Like I said, I had I knew no one there, and I my entire attitude towards going was to just see what happened. I. I mean, I'm still friends with my tour guide. I'm still friends with Tizia. She's just had a baby. Um, she still is doing her thing. So, like, all the more power to her. And Luca's still doing his thing and has started his own safari company. And I just had, like, a blast just going out and meeting people and just getting to know the community, which is really, I think, what Anthony Bourdain was all about, was just going out and, like, letting life happen to you. Um... I'm doing, I've been doing that ever since, and it's kind of my motto at this point, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, He's he's been a big inspiration for Ange and I. I don't even know if we talked about it on the podcast yet, but we wouldn't be doing the documentary we did unless it was for Bourdain's show, I think, um, and the, the style that he shot that show, and the way that he just immersed himself into cultures, so... Um, I don't know if he knew how big of an inspiration he was, um, but he was, and he still is, I think, to a lot of us. And what I, was, I wanted to tell Liam was, he's a San Francisco guy, he's been here for 22 years, but I think that he's, car- he's gonna be carrying the torch a little bit for Tony, as we call him now. Um, but I think we can all carry the torch for Bourdain, and we are during this restaurant bar crawl. Bourdain crawl, hashtag Bourdain crawl. Well, and I think that's what he wanted, is for people to watch his show and to get something out of it and go out and see the world and realize that it's not a big, scary place, that people are not scary. Like, in other cultures, people are not scary people. Like, everyone's dealing with the same shit. 
and you don't really realize that until you go out. I was telling Aaron about how when I was in Tanzania, I went off, I was in Zanzibar for a few days, just by myself, kind of exploring, and I took a shuttle out to this one beach that has a restaurant. I forget what it's called. It's like Restaurant on the Rock or something like that. And I'd been thinking about treating myself. I knew a little bit of the history of the restaurant and thought it would be fun. And this guy got off at the same bus stop as me. And he's like, oh, are you going to go eat at the restaurant? And I said, I was thinking about it. We got to talking. His name was Gigi. Long story short, I never made it to the restaurant because I just got to talking to him and about how his wife had passed away the year prior. He introduced me to his friends who had built him this shack on the beach so that he could do his art. They made me a meal. They took me scuba diving. They treated me like family. They were basically like, if you ever come back, stay with us in our village and we will like show you Zanzibar. And I just, I remember crying when I left because it was probably one of the most authentic experiences that I'd had. And I thought to myself, like, especially after Anthony Bourdain passed, that interaction has been really weighing on me because it reminded me about like why I travel. These sort of like human to human connections is what at the end of the day is what you're doing, what you're trying to get out of every, every single trip you take. Yeah, I love I love that you said that because that uh, I was going to bring up one of the favorite my favorite things that I've ever heard him say. He was on NPR's Fresh Air, and he said uh, when somebody's offering you food, they're telling you a story, they're telling you what they like and who they are. Presumably, it's a proud reflection of their culture, their history, often a very tough history. You turn your nose up to that at that important moment, the whole relationship changes, and it will never be the same. So he's kind of talking about just why he's not afraid to try something, even though it looks scary, even though it looks dirty, even though everybody's hands have touched it. It's kind of that connection that's more important ultimately. And uh, it reminds me of a similar story that you said. When I was in Guatemala, I fell in love with this little farm and I ended up basically living there for a few months. And this woman that was the main chef on the farm invited us to her home in this small town in Guatemala and she cooked this soup, the biggest pot of soup that I've ever had. Her family was there, her kids. They all lived in this one big room, not separate rooms, there were partitions, but it was all one big room, little thin mats on the floor. But their connection and their love and their happiness was palpable. And it was a a deep satisfaction that I rarely feel when I'm here in this first world country where we all have our own comfortable beds and cars and, and separate rooms. And it just puts things and phones and yeah, everybody's sitting there and, and so in the moment and we, someone had a guitar and they were singing and we were eating this soup all from the same pot. And it was just such, a, such an authentic, real moment. And it put everything in perspective of uh, what makes you happy and, and what's really important in life. And I think that that's why Anthony Bourdain really, was he really able to connect was because he, he understood that, that it was deeper than, it was deeper than the, the, the physical and, and just the five-star restaurants. It, it was a, travel is a lot more than that. And the world's, the world's scary, but it's not that scary. And you need to go out there and talk to people. Um, he proved that on every show. So, yeah. At the end of the day, go to the hole in the walls. Because that's where you're going to find the most interesting people, the most interesting stories. And you're going to be supporting the community. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing when you travel. Yeah. Agreed. Shar, any last words? When was the last time you were at Buddha Lounge, by the way? Uh, I think it was about... 
10 years ago, maybe. All right. And it was, uh, I think it was after a Cinco de Mayo fest. <laughs> and you know what's weird is a lot of my memories at, like, this place, uh, Buddha, uh, Lipo across the street, uh, it always was, like, after, like, some kind of random, like, radio event where it's, and it was, like, Cinco de Mayo or... Um, uh, oh, we were at the Tonga Room. The last time I was at the uh, the Lipo Lounge, uh, we were at uh, we threw a number one party at the Tonga Room. Oh, and then we bar crawled to <laughs> Lipo Lounge. Oh God! And then we had hotels at the Fairmont, and we oh, went you're back lucky. to the Mel- okay. Fairmont. But um, Lipo Lounge, I also have a good memory from Lipo Lounge of um, DJ with no name, no yeah. name. Um, he threw a. Uh, <laughs> A 50th birthday party for Glenn Danzig. So for who? Glenn Danzig. Oh, yes. Wait, was he still at that other radio station you were at then? I and, remember this. And we started at the gates of Chinatown, and we uh, told everybody that wanted to go there that we were going to do a... Um, we're going to have a party in the basement down there. Yeah, I've been down there once. Yeah. It's hot as hell. We walked <laughs> from the gates of Chinatown all the way down here to the Lipo Lounge took over that downstairs place and there were like three or four Danzig cover bands <laughs> and it was hot as hell and then Mike's band uh, no oh, yeah. name's band The Flames yes and there were they were blowing flames with lighters in that downstairs. Down, I thought uh, we could have died. How is that place not blown up? Dude, I have night? a picture. I, there's a picture that I have of uh, Richie Flame blowing a fireball and there's somebody standing in the front with a <gasps> fireball in their face. <laughs> and if you've ever uh, been... We could do flames. I should do some fire dancing down there. Probably not. You shouldn't. Once you, have uh, you been no. down there? Yeah. yeah. No. But I didn't know that... Fire has happened. We probably shouldn't have been doing that. <laughs> no, you probably shouldn't have. So, but anyways, Fine. just I, it's just the memories that come up around here are just awesome, and everybody, and it's like everybody relates, and everybody has a memory from all the places that we went to. If you're from San Francisco or you worked in San Francisco or whatever, you've got memories like that in a lot of these haunts that we just went to. So, a, f- a flame thrown in your face. A flame thrown in your face. Yeah. No, it's true. Um. I feel like this has been very cathartic. Cathartic, yeah, I think so too. Well, and this is only part one. We yeah, have part is, two coming. This coming is only at you. At a, yeah, uh, I mean, this maybe is this a little is a teaser. two-parter. I don't know. Kelly, I'm with oh, you. Yeah. I didn't know that House of Prime Rib was on the list. <laughs> We're going. We are going. It's happening. That's my and, spot. And also, just to say, like, this has been very cathartic for me because I will say, for the last week, I have been in a funk. Like when I heard the news, oh, I woke yeah. up on Friday morning and I saw the news. Like it kind of threw off my life to be perfectly honest I know like I didn't know the guy like I understand that but what he represented was this whole idea of like not being fucking afraid of the world just go out and meet people start conversations I think that's what you need to do in order to honor Anthony Bourdain just make a friend of somebody that you would never think that you would ever have been talking to just go out just go out meet people yeah be active. Do Be things. Active. Yeah, go out there. Um, I think we're going to wrap. We're going to say... Uh, we got to finish our drinks. Finish our drinks in part two of the Bourdain Bar Crawl. Bar Crawl. You can tell we're on our third place. Bar Crawl. Uh, should be happening in the next week or so. So listen up. And on that note, we are going to thank Red Strava House for being so accommodating to us. Tadich Grill for, again, being 
accommodating to us and fitting how many people inside a very small little uh, room, (laughs) I would say, quote unquote, to Liam Maclem for sharing his very personal story about Tony Bourdain, a.k.a. Anthony Bourdain. Also to the Buddha Lounge, where we're at right now, where we're finishing up, and to Kelda McKinney for sharing her stories about Anthony and how he's inspired her life. So uh, we will see you on part two. Bitch, please. The question is, how long will it be awesome? Will it be awesome forever? Is San Francisco a city under threat from a a torrent of uh, evil tech money and uh, feral yuppies? We will answer that question and many other. Actually, we don't answer any of those questions.